Amen. Now, I'm going to invite your attention in just a minute to the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bible or if you have your smartphone, your tablet, I want you to turn with me to the book of Zechariah. And I know as soon as I say that, there's a couple different emotions that come. The first emotion may be, well, yeah, I remember that. That's a book in the Old Testament because I was in Bible quizzing or I remember from Sunday school. That's one emotion. And then there are other people right now when I said Zechariah, you said in your mind, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. It is in the Bible. Uh, If you go to the Old Testament and keep turning right, just past Nahum, just past Micah and Habakkuk, is the prophetic book of Zechariah. In case you need further clarifications, it's right before you get to the last book of the Old Testament. So if you can find Malachi, you can find Zechariah. It's right before Malachi. Amen. If you're there, would you say, I'm there? Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you to our praise team. Great job today leading us in worship. Before I read from the scripture, I want to give a little bit of context to this unusual passage. And uh, then I will read a few verses of scripture, one of which... Some people in this room, whether you have ever examined the book of Zechariah or not, you will probably recognize, some people here, not everybody, but some people will recognize a portion of one of the verses that I will read here in just a few minutes. When we talk about the Old Testament, we cannot uh, remove ourselves from the understanding that initially God spoke to only the children of Israel or only the Jews. They were his people. And uh, through their disobedience, the Jewish people were sent forth to captivity. A portion of them in the north were taken captive by the nation of Assyria, and then the ones that I'll speak of today were taken captive in Babylon. One of the kings that resided in Babylon was a man by the name of Darius. And at the close of their occupation or their captivity in Babylon he permitted a portion of the Jews, 50,000 of them, to go back home. They were taken captive out of Jerusalem, but he was permitting them to go back home because they had been wanting to travel back home. It's always nice to go home and to rebuild Solomon's temple. It was an edifice that was very important and still is important to the Jews. In this period of time in Israel's history, two very significant individuals are given to these Jews to speak to them. One of them is a prophet by the name of Haggai. You may have seen his book in the Old Testament, H-A-G-G-A-I. The other one is the prophet Zechariah, or where we will read from today. I'm thankful that whenever we get in trouble, God gives us someone to speak life to us and to speak direction to us. If you have ever been in a church service, whether it is here at New Life or somewhere else, and a preacher got up and he or she professed God's word, declared God's word, and you left feeling more equipped or better or more enabled, uh, that's really the plan of God for that to happen. Because all throughout history, when people get in trouble... God's remedy is someone to declare something to them. 
And so it was for the children of Israel. The word of God came through Haggai and through Zechariah. This actually isn't altogether strange because later on in the New Testament, Paul, the apostle, talks about a five-fold ministry. He was writing to the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 4, and he says, I'm giving you pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets and evangelists. And he said, I'm giving these to you. I'm sending these people to you for a few purposes. Number one, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. And again, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, he loves people enough to give them his word through individuals. And I would venture to say that God loves every man and woman and young adult and child and teenager in this room enough today to send a preacher to this pulpit. And I know that may sound self-serving. I'm not trying to over-glorify the role that I'm in right now. But what we are doing here today is more than just catechism. What we are doing today is more than just habit. Thank you, Pastor Jace, for reminding us of this. We're not here just because we don't have anything else to do on Sunday morning. We're, be here, we're here today because this is what God chooses, to communicate his word to his people. Amen. And so we come to this man named Zechariah, a man with a strange name. And he sees even stranger things. He sees visions of horses and horns. That's in chapter 1. He sees a measuring line and a high priest. That's in chapters 2 and 3. It gets even crazier later on. He sees a vision of a flying scroll. A woman in a basket. I mean, this is stuff like you dream about. You ever had a dream and you wake up and you're trying real hard to think that maybe that was a spiritual dream? But you're not sure if pizza and cantaloupe have anything to do with anything spiritual. He had a vision of a woman in a basket and four chariots in chapter number five. But it is from the vision he sees as recorded in chapter four that I want to take my sermon today. In this vision, he sees a lampstand. Now, I don't think I'm going to preach a long time, so you're going to have to really focus today. But he sees a lampstand, and at the top of the lampstand, he sees areas of light. And next to it is where I want to draw your attention. There are two trees. They're olive trees, and it's from this context that I will read Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 1. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. <laughs> now you just have to pardon me, but I put myself in this story. Because verse 2 says, and he said to me, what do you see? Now, if you wake me up and say, what do you see right away? What do you see? Um, I say exactly what Zachariah said in the rest of that verse. So I said, I am looking... <laughs> Give me a second. Wiping the sleep out of my eyes. There is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Wow, that's, that's intense. 
Two olive trees are by it, one at the right hand of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered, and I spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? In other words, give me some understanding here. And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? It's not enough that he's interrupting your sleep. Now he's insulting your intelligence when you first wake up. You don't know what these are? In verse number five, and I said, no, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone. Who shall? Zerubbabel shall. He's going to finish this rebuilding of the temple with great shouts of grace, grace to it. It's interesting to me that wedged in the middle of a very bizarre passage is a verse that I literally have heard my entire life. It's not by might, and it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Remember, it was Zechariah coming out of captivity with 50,000 Jews who looked at a situation of a broken-down temple wanting more than anything else to see that temple rebuilt to its glory. That temple represented the very presence of God. It was the central place for consecration and dedication. And Zechariah and those children of Israel so desperately wanted it rebuilt. They're just fresh coming out of captivity. And yet the word of the Lord from Zechariah to the children of of Israel is very simple, and it is this. What God has put in your heart to accomplish is not possible by your might. It is not possible by your power. In other words, if you think you are strong enough, and if you, are, you think you are able enough to construct this temple and to rebuild it to its glory, I've got a word from the Lord for them, Zechariah. Go and tell the people of God, it is not by their might, and it is not by their power. When you and I examine those words, the word might means it's not by their numbers. They could have 50,000, they could have 150,000, they could have 500,000 Jews, but it is not by their numbers. It is not because they're a big army, collective in their power and in their strength. It is not by their might. It's not even by their power. It's not even inherently how much power they have in themselves. The word power comes originally, the first word time it's ever used in the Old Testament is Genesis chapter 4 and verse 12 when God is judging Cain. And he says, because you have murdered your brother, when you till the ground it shall no longer yield its strength to you. It's not going to give you what is inherent in it. And Zechariah said, I want you to know, people of God, the Lord has spoken to me. And the power that you have inherent in you is not enough 
Now, I know this is kind of negative. I want you to look at someone and say, hang on, pastor's going to get more positive here in just a minute. But what he has called us to, the vision he has put in our spirit, what he has embedded inside of us, we can't do it in our own power. We can't accomplish it in our own strength. Oh, I preach to people today. There are some things God has whispered into your spirit that in your own power you will fail. And I will fail in my own might. I don't have it in my strength. I don't have it in numbers. We could get all of us together and it still wouldn't be enough. But Zechariah said, I've got good news. It might not be in your power, and it might not be in your might, but I've got a wild card back here. It is by my spirit. Oh, somebody who really believes this, you help me preach right now. There is something about when the spirit is loosed on a situation. There is something about when the Holy Spirit is involved in a situation. There is something about the Holy Ghost when it is loosed on a situation, anything impossible becomes possible. Anything that can't be done can be done. Hallelujah. Everybody say, by my spirit. Literally, by the breath of God, by the word of God. We see this borne out in the second verse of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That word, spirit of God, is literally the word that means the breath of God. In all that was created in verse number one, there was just the breath of God hovering over the darkness. This scripture is quite illustrative of the spirit of the Lord and the breath of God. Ezekiel chapter 37, the Lord brought Ezekiel out to a plain and it says, the Lord laid his hand on me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley and it was full of bones and he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I'll put sinews on you and bring flesh on you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and the sinews of the flesh was upon them and the skin covered them over. Watch. But there was no breath in them. It's not enough to have numbers. It's not enough to have a collective army of people who have no breath in them. He didn't say to Ezekiel, that's good enough. He said, you're not done prophesying. I want you to prophesy to the wind. I want you to prophesy to the breath. And I want you to say, thus says the Lord God, 
Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. I've got a word from the Lord for somebody that just sees deadness and nothingness, and you see a body, but there is no breath. Breath is coming. You've got to believe it today. Breath is coming. Come on, I'm preaching about the breath of God when God breathes on us. When God breathes on something that was dead. Whew. Everybody say the breath of God. How I many of you know there is, there's possibilities that are endless when God breathes on somebody? Oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost today. I, I, mean just tell, I feel the same spirit in this house that I felt last Sunday morning in this house. There is multiplication power. There is creative power. There is demonstrative power. There's miracle power. When the breath of God settles on somebody and they take who they are and what they are and their prayer requests and they say, Lord, I'm going to keep on praying, but I'm not enough. I need the breath of God. I need the spirit of God. I need you to breathe upon me. Come on, somebody say, breathe on me, Lord. Breathe on me, God. Let your breath be upon me today. Hallelujah. It's interesting to me that this, this continues, this thread goes all the way into the New Testament. When these same Jews, the children of Israel, are standing with Jesus. And the scripture says in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6, Therefore when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, we remember what it used to be like when we were a united kingdom. We remember when everybody was unified. We remember when everybody was together. And surely that's why you came, isn't it? To give us back what used to be. Lord, will you make it all like it was before? Will you come in and restore it to what it used to be? Verse 7, and he said to them, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Can I preach it like this? You shall receive power when God breathes on you. I just thought I was living until he breathed on me. I just thought life was good until the breath of God came. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Please note this. Somebody please hear me right now. Their desire was to get things back to the way they used to be. And Jesus, to their question, never answered them specifically. Rather, he gave them 
a principle. And here it is. I'm going to put it on the screen. The answer to each of our questions is the breath of God. Whew. Oh God, they're away from you. Couldn't you get them back to the way they used to be? And the Lord's not going to come today and say, yeah, I promise you, it'll be to every I dotted and T crossed. All he's saying is this. You have questions. I've got an answer for you. You need the breath of God on you. Because when you get the breath of God on you, it's going to empower you. It's going to enable you. It's going to help you to be a witness in whatever situation you're in. When you don't have answers, the breath of God is going to let you witness in that moment. When you have the breath of God on you, you're going to be encouraged when you should be discouraged. When you have the breath of God on you, you're going to have faith to keep praying and keep believing and keep trusting. Oh, I'm praying somebody in this house with lots of questions will park your questions and say, breathe on me, God. Let your breath be upon me today more than I need answers I need your breath I need your touch I need your anointing breathe on me God let the breath of God be upon me come on to all of our questions the answer is the same we need the breath of God I'm going to time out right there. I want to say it again to all of our questions. We don't need answers as much as we need the breath of God. Whoo! Is there anybody in this house that when God breathes on you, when the Holy Spirit steps in, and he touches you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. And he infuses you with something that you needed more than anything else. All of a sudden, the questions seem to pale in the background. Why? Because I got his breath on me. I got his life inside of me. He's working on my behalf. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They had numbers. They had might. They didn't just have one. They had 120 gathered together. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Uh, we don't need that. We got numbers. No. The Lord said, it's not about numbers. It's not about your efficiency. It's not about your professionalism. It's not about your presentation. Can I just say this, and I hope you understand this today? We try at this church to do, do good with what we have. We try to present things well. That's why people practice before they sing. That's why we test the sound system before y'all show up. That's why we get people in place and greeters and ushers. But here's the thing. That's not going to deliver anybody. But when his spirit comes. <laughs> woo! <laughs> Oh, when his spirit comes, when the Holy Ghost steps in, when the spirit steps in, he can take a mess and put something together. He can move past our presentation. He can move past our might or our ability. I'm just going to confess to you, last summer, there was a service at our church, and I'll, I'll, I'll get very, I'll be vague on purpose. We had a service, and I was very interested in that service. I had prayed, and I'd fasted, and I was out in the Lord to pour His Spirit out. And I'm here to tell you something. Some, I'm going to help somebody right now. 
Because you have some bad days at work, we have some bad days at work. That service last summer was less than perfect. You know how you, you sometimes go home and you review the day? Preachers do that too. And as I was reviewing the day, I thought, that wasn't good. That was, eh. the preaching, ooh. The reason why I can say that, because I was the one preaching. <laughs> I know it wasn't great. And yet, when we got to the end of that service, I remember giving an appeal, and I said, would anybody like to pray today? And I'm going to confess something to you. In my flesh, I thought, well, if it's based on what we just showed, everybody's going to be running for the buffet line today. And I looked out, and there was a high school student sitting about six rows back. And she shot her hand straight in the air. And started reaching out to the Lord and praising him and lifting her voice. She had never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in a matter of about two minutes, she is over there and God is filling her with his spirit, speaking with other tongues, glorifying God, praising God. Meanwhile, pastor's over here in all of my might and all of my thinking. I told someone afterwards about that service, and here's what they said to me. They kind of went to me. They didn't realize they did it, but they went Ch -ch -ch. They said, when are we ever going to realize that he doesn't need our might and he doesn't need our strength? He can step in. Now, here's what I know. He will respond to our faith. So I'm not talking about not preparing. I'm talking about not leaning on that. I'm not talking about not presenting well. Just don't lean on that. Can I just tell all the guests that are here? We can't make it professional enough to change your life. We can't present it well enough to change my life. But we lean upon the Spirit of God. And we ask for the breath of God to come. And we do the best we can do. And then we say, come Lord Jesus. Rest, Lord Jesus. Let your presence baptize this house. Suddenly there was a sound that came from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Divided tongues sat on them as fire. One sat on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So I want to ask a question. It's an honest question. How do 120 people gather in an upper room, in one room, in one city, touch the world how do you go from 120 in one room in Jerusalem to more than 120 in Cabot in 2021 how do you go from 120 in an upper room in Jerusalem many years ago to now 600 million plus around the world that have been baptized with the Holy Spirit how does that happen it's the same way it happened at the day of Pentecost. Because the Bible says when the Spirit came, when the breath of God came, Parthians were touched, Medes were touched, 
Elamites were touched. Those in Mesopotamia were touched. Judea heard about the Lord. Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and Libya and Cyrene and Rome, Jews by birth and Jews by choice. Cretans and Arabs heard people speaking the wonderful works of God. How do you go from 120 to dozens of cultures at one time being impacted by the Lord? You don't do that in our power. We don't do that in our strength. We give that to the Lord and let his breath come. We need to go no further than the second chapter of the Bible to see our need of the breath of God. We were created with God's breath being breathed into us. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. This is why life really doesn't make total sense until God breathes on us. This is why we will try a lot of things. And at the end of the day, everybody say the end of the day. They'll fail us. Why? Because we were not created to lean on our strength. We were not created to lean on our might. We were created with the breath of God being breathed into us. I want you to stand with me if you would, please. When I open up my Bible and I read from the first chapter of Scripture, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was up on the face of the deep or the face of the waters. And then it almost is an afterthought before he creates. But verse 2 says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now I want you to notice with me just for a moment at what happened when the Spirit hovered. That which was in darkness became in light. Because there are some things that we don't see adequately until the breath of God comes. That which was without shape and void all of a sudden, the dry land appeared, and the birds, and the creeping things, and the mammals. Because until the Spirit hovered on the earth, it was without form, and it was void. Light to see comes when His Spirit hovers. Shape and definition to life's purpose comes when the Spirit breathes upon us. 
I wish today to make sure we understand the cry of Zechariah. It is not by our might exclusively. And it is not by our power exclusively. But it is by my spirit, says the Lord. There's something about the breath of God. Zechariah said that next to the lampstand, the source of its power was two olive trees. One was on the left and the other was on the right. The source of its strength was not its own ability, but what was inherent in the tree itself. You see, the root system of an olive tree is so robust that it is capable of regenerating itself even when the olive tree is destroyed. It was in Tuscany in Italy in 1985 that a severe frost destroyed many productive and aged olive trees. Olive trees can actually grow to be over 2,000 years old. When I was in Israel with Brother Odell, I've been there a couple times with him, we went into the Garden of Gethsemane, and here's what Brother Odell said to me, and this rocked me when he said this. He said, we're going to let you take a few moments and pray here in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it might be that the tree you pray next to was the same tree that Jesus knelt next to. Because that's how long those trees can last. In 1985, when the severe frost blew through Tuscany, it wiped out the aged olive trees, ruined the livelihood of many farmers in that area of Italy. However, come spring, they took notice that out of the ashes of a destroyed crop came shoots coming up out of the ground. And when the dead wood was removed and when everything was cleared out, new fruit-producing trees began to shoot forth out of the ground. Why? Because there's something inherent in that tree that refuses to be shut down. This is why someone who has the breath of God in them can go through tragedies I've, you know how many people have said to me, I wouldn't want to try losing a loved one and not have the Lord on my side. That is more than a cliche. Why is that? Because there's something about the breath of God that when things are destroyed, it keeps shooting forth and it keeps reaching up and it keeps reaching for that new life, that new strength. So here's what I want to ask today, and this is an appeal to everybody in this house, members in this church, guests in this church, everybody. Are there people here today that you want to invite the breath of God to hover over you? To bring the light that's necessary, to bring the form and the shape that is necessary. See, it might not look like God's working anything out, but that's why we need his breath. Remember, the answer to all of our questions is the breath of God. So just very quickly, we'll, sim we'll symbolize it by just stepping forward for prayer. We'll pray for just a few moments, and then we'll go off into our Labor Day weekend. But if you're here, and you want the breath of God, the Spirit of the Lord, to hover over you,
hover over your family. I want you to come and just stand up here at the front. Guests, members, come on. Come on, you don't have to be a member here to respond right now. We're just going to pray together. We're going to pray together. good. I feel the, the prayers of people lifted, being lifted up right now. Go ahead and pray to the Lord right now. Go ahead and call out to the Lord right now. Hover on me, breath of God. Hover on us right now, God. Hover on us right now, Lord. Hover on us right now, God. Come on, the breath of God is what we need today. The breath of God is what we need today. I need it on my family. I need it on my family. I need it on my marriage. I need it on my parenting. I need it on my body. I need it on my health. I need it on my leadership. I need the breath of God. I need the breath of God. Hallelujah. Come on, those of you with lost loved ones, the breath of God is here. The breath of God is here to give you strength, to give you hope, to give you peace, to carry on, to keep coming, keep going, keep pressing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. It's not by our might. We're not going to see that built by our might. We're not going to see it constructed by our power. It's going to be by your spirit. We're going to have to get up on the wall and build, but it's ultimately going to be done when your breath comes. Hallelujah, that's it. Go ahead, let your voice out to the Lord right now. Go ahead and pray out loud to Him right now. Hallelujah, we're going to sing, we're going to pray, we're going to go home in just a few minutes. Let's reach for the Lord right now. Let's reach for the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, breath of God, breath of God, breath of God. It's what we need, it's what we need. Spirit of the Lord's moving right now. Let's let the Spirit of God breathe on us. Breathe on me. Yeah. Form something, Lord. Reveal something, Lord. Reveal, God, what's at work, Lord. Bring shape to the void, Lord. Yes, Lord, breathe on. Let's let each other just feel the collective strength of the body. Maybe someone in your family's near you right now. Connect with them right now. Would you do that? If your family's near you, just connect with them right now. Yes. Come on. The breath of God's going to help give shape to something. 
Maybe someone near you, some friend that's near you. We're going to let the breath of God settle on us right now. We're going to let the breath of God settle on us right now. Hallelujah. We need your breath, God. We need your help, Lord Jesus. <laughs> we need your help, Lord Jesus. Oh, yes. Come on, I speak to a young adult right now. God's got direction for you. God's got formation for you. God's got something for you. Thank you, Jesus. Salvation. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we need your breath, Lord. We need your breath, Lord. We need your breath, God. We need your spirit, Lord Jesus. change me hallelujah come on that's the Holy Ghost that's the Holy Ghost let the Spirit of God baptize you today Holy Spirit breathe on me going to have an official dismissal today let me say before you go back to praying or whenever you want to be dismissed you can let me say something to everybody that's here God saw you simply I gave an appeal God saw you step out this is proof that you can respond to the presence of God God saw that he can work on our behalf he's breathing something on us today Let's stay in that atmosphere. Let's stay in that atmosphere. Amen. We're going to keep singing it. Let's lift our voice. You can be dismissed whenever you would like. If you want to pray for a long time, we've got time for you today. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. We need the breath of God. We need your breath, God. We need your breath, God.